0: Welcome back to the Barbell Medicine Podcast. I'm Dr. Jordan Feigenbaum. Today, on episode 254, we're going to talk about a topic that's very hot right now in the training world lengthened partials. Lengthened partials are exercises performed in a range of motion where the muscles are elongated, but are not completed through a full range of motion. Recent evidence has suggested that they may be as good, if not better, than full range of motion exercises for stimulating muscle growth. So let's take a look at this topic and see if we can find some answers. First off, what is muscle hypertrophy? Muscle hypertrophy is defined in most studies as the increase in the total mass of a muscle, whereas a decrease in total mass of a muscle is referred to as atrophy. Now, each muscle is made up of thousands to hundreds of thousands or even more muscle fibers, and in general, it is thought that the number of skeletal muscle fibers in humans is more or less fixed by the first year of life. While there's active debate around the idea that humans can increase the number of muscle fibers that they have, this is termed hyperplasia, The research suggests that the overwhelming majority of increased muscle mass is due to an increase in muscle fiber size, not necessarily making new muscle fibers. An increase in muscle fiber size occurs when muscle protein synthesis exceeds muscle protein breakdown for sustained periods of time. While this may sound like muscle damage is needed for muscle growth, hypertrophy seems to lag until muscle protein breakdown is minimized and muscle protein synthesis predominates. In other words, hypertrophy lags until the individual adapts to the training and this typically takes place in, you know, the first four to five weeks of training. If the training dose is too high, that actually may not happen at all. In any case, muscle fibers change in size in response to the demands placed upon them by the way of altering muscle protein synthesis and breakdown signals. In the conventional hypertrophy model, lifting weights requires the muscles to produce force in a manner that generates metabolic stress, which ultimately stimulates muscle protein synthesis. The subsequent repair and remodeling of muscles in response to this damage leads to an increase in muscle size. Though the mechanisms for generating increased muscle mass are the same across individuals, there's a wide range of hypertrophy responses to folks, even if they're using the same training program. For example, a landmark study showed that muscle size changes ranged from negative 11%, yep, that's a loss of muscle size, to plus 30% in 287 adults following the same training program over six months. The age and sex of the individual didn't really influence their hypertrophy response, but each individual had a unique response to the program. Nonetheless, the variables that drive muscle hypertrophy are quite similar, and range of motion is one of them, so let's talk about it. Okay, so what is range of motion? Range of motion can be defined as the degree of movement occurring at a specific joint during an exercise. Squatting below parallel compared to stopping above parallel increases the range of motion in the squat, and touching the chest during the bench press increases the range of motion compared to stopping a few inches off the chest. Increasing the range of motion tends to require the involvement of more muscle mass that's stretched under more mechanical load than compared to movements with less range of motion, and this brings up another factor that is directly influenced by the range of motion that we use. That's the length of the muscle itself. During movement, muscles get longer during the eccentric phase and get shorter during the concentric phase. During the squat, for example, the hamstrings, adductors, glutes, and quadriceps tend to get longer during the descent, that's the eccentric, and get shorter on the way up, that's the concentric. In this example, the muscles are at some of their longest lengths, Under tension at the bottom of the squat, whereas they're shorter at the top, again, in in general. While a full or long range of motion trains muscles at all lengths, predominantly longer ones, using a partial range of motion can be done at short, moderate, or even long muscle lengths. Again, to use that squat example, a quarter squat would train the muscles at relatively short muscle lengths. A squat to just above parallel would train the muscles at moderate and short muscle lengths. And a squat done to a few inches below parallel would train the muscles at long lengths in addition to short and moderate lengths. But What if someone did like partial range of motion squats at just the bottom half of a movement? Wouldn't that be training the muscles at moderate and long lengths, yet use a partial range of motion? Yep, it absolutely would. And that's really what we're talking about when we talk about lengthened partials. So we can't just lump all partial range of motion exercises together when discussing their impact on muscle hypertrophy. We need to talk about muscle lengths when we talk about range of motions in this context. Okay, so what are lengthened partials? Again, lengthened partials are exercises performed in a range of motion where the muscles are elongated but are not completed through a full range of motion. This would be doing something like the bottom half of a biceps curl or preacher curl when the muscle is lengthened. It's still a partial range of motion compared to doing the full curl, but the muscle is long when doing this exercise. In contrast, somebody doing the top half of a biceps curl or preacher curl would be doing a shortened partial, though I'm not sure that anyone actually uses that phrasing. You guys can comment if uh, you know somebody that also uses that phrase. In general, though, using a large range of motion for an exercise tends to produce more hypertrophy than a shorter one particularly if the muscle or muscle group is trained at relatively short lengths. It should be noted, though, that this isn't always the case. For example, shortened partials have been shown to produce hypertrophy, too, in various parts of the body that have been investigated. In general, shortened partials exhibit less hypertrophy, if any, and the hypertrophy obtained from training may decay faster with detraining than hypertrophy that was generated from those using longer ranges of motion. That's not to say that the data is perfect. It, some of it isn't great. Uh, muscle swelling is a big issue. So muscle swelling after a workout can persist for a relatively long periods of time. And if that overlaps with the testing period, that can sort of uh, create artificial results, as it were. Also, there are inter-individual differences in training response that, you know, some people might respond very well. Some people might respond relatively poorly. They could all end up being on the same group because you can't really predict this. Sample sizes aren't great some of the times, but you know, there are issues with the data. That doesn't mean that the data is terrible or that we can't use it. All of this is to say that yes, muscles can grow from shortened ranges of motion even when the muscles aren't very long, but in general, it's less than when muscles are trained at moderate or longer lengths. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. After going to the gym, what's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? For me, I'd probably do some more reading or get outside of nature, maybe both. Whether we're talking about training, a dietary change, or just life, the best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you. Therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. Of course, therapy isn't a single thing per se, but working with a licensed therapist may be helpful for many folks to learn positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, and overall empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suit you, the individual. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/barbellpod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp hel barbell barbellpod for 10% off your first month. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, lengthened partials—again, these are partial range of motion exercises done at moderate or longer muscle lengths—may work just as well for hypertrophy, if not better, than traditional full range of motion for some exercises. So what does the science say about lengthened partials and hypertrophy? In general, the results are good for partial range of motion exercises performed at moderate or long muscle lengths. There are less than a dozen studies looking at this, but there does seem to be a signal showing that partial range of motion exercises done at long muscle lengths can be just as effective, if not potentially more effective, than full range of motion exercises for growing muscle. Some of the same data, though, also still supports what we said before, that shortened partials they consistently do worse than lengthened partials or full ranges of motion. So We're going to ignore that completely for the rest of this podcast, and we'll just talk about length and partials. As with most things in life, there are caveats, even though the data is relatively good on this for the data that does exist, there are some issues. So to start, the data showing benefit in hypertrophy are mostly limited to isolation exercises, whereas compound exercises were only looked at a few times. And of the data that exists in compound exercises, again, those are exercises using more than one joint. It looks like mostly full range of motion is superior for muscle growth. But again, there's only, there's less than a handful of studies looking at this. Next, most of the studies use untrained individuals. And, you know, the mechanisms of muscle growth are similar to all training ages, but it's hard to really feel confident that length and partials are definitively superior to full range of motion for hypertrophy. Based on the available evidence, though, it seems like this is more of a tool in the toolbox to use in certain situations. So, should you incorporate length and partials? And if so, how should you do it? From a strength perspective, I use partial range of motion exercises regularly, like floor press, rack pulls from various heights, board presses, even partial squats for certain athletic applications. I also program a lot of longer range of motion exercises, like close grip bench press, duffalo or cambered bar bench presses, deficit deadlifts, bulgarian split squats, and so on. However, I only rarely, if ever, use lengthened partials for strength purposes. Halting deadlifts, where you do the first half of the deadlift to just above the knees, I guess I've programmed that before, but I rarely do it now. I've also used one and a half squats where the lifter does a normal descent and then comes up to halfway and then goes back down again, but then ultimately completes the full rep. I guess that kind of counts, but I really haven't programmed either of these in a long time. If I could come up with a scenario where I wanted the lifter to work on strength at long muscle lengths, but for some reason not complete the rest of the lift, I guess I could use a length and partial uh, and that variation would work. But as of right now, I don't see a big use for them in barbell sports, though other athletic pursuits may potentially benefit depending on the application for muscle size i see more of a role for including length and partials Uh, for example in block three of the bodybuilding two template we include partial range of motion fatigue stops which means the lifter terminates the set once they can no longer move through a minimum range of motion we program something like incline dumbbell biceps curls for four sets of 10 to 15 reps at rp 8 or two repetitions left in reserve that rp can climb all the way up to 10. But on the final set, we also prescribe doing reps until they can no longer complete 25% of the range of motion. This means the lifter is doing length and partials for a number of reps, and as fatigue reaches a maximum, they shut it down. In this way, we're using length and partials to get some extra hypertrophy stimulus and as a way to auto-regulate fatigue. And fatigue levels vary day by day, vary by muscle group, exercise, the preceding sets, and so on. In this application, we use length and partials on some of the isolation and or machine-based exercises. Not because length and partials can't be used for compound barbell exercises. Rather, it's just how this particular program is set up and speaks more to how I've used them with myself and others. There are lots of ways to include them if you want to play around with length and partials. I think they can be particularly useful in situations where you want someone to train closer to failure or go all the way to failure. For example, you've, hey, do biceps curls until you can't do 25% or 50% of the range of motion. Boom, you're doing length and partials. Uh, For somebody who has a difficult time actually getting close to failure or hasn't done it before, that's one way to kind of introduce them to the concept. Or if you just wanted to add a little chutzpah to a muscle or muscle groups uh, that you want to add some additional training stimulus to, you could use it like that as well. Like other programming variables, we can modify volume, intensity, stuff like that. Be conservative to start and gradually work up over time. That's it for this episode of the Barbell Medicine Podcast. Thanks for listening.